podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Just talking about whether Peter and Lewis Capaldi are related, but we'll come back to that. Welcome to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I'm joined by Jerry Taylor, who's had a, a very um, interesting and fruitful weekend. Jerry, we'll be talking about that, and obviously we'll be talking all about Celtic. Let us know in the comments section what you think about that performance over the weekend. You go up to Petodre. Um, you know, I think if you looked at the record, we've got a very good record up there, but it's not a venue, Jerry, that you think we're going to go up, we're going to get the three points back down the road. It's, you always think they're going to give us a, a game, they're going to give us a challenge. And by the way, I think they did over the weekend. It was a very entertaining game if you're able to remove yourself from the Celtic bubble, which is very hard. Very good game to watch. Back to back and forth, you know, both teams going at each other. Um, and I felt, you know, Celtic were by far and away the better side of the two, but we'll talk all about that. What did you make of the performance at the weekend? I, I think you're right. One for the neutrals, that wasn't it? it was Barry Robson said that was a proper game of football. Mm-hmm. I think that was his exact words. And you always know it's going to be a tough game. What made me laugh was every single prediction, whether it was in the group chat with you guys, the group chat with my pals, or on Twitter, was this is going to be a tight game. Every yeah. Celtic fan I saw say that. But as soon as it became a tight game, you'd folk going, oh, what's going on here, man? What's going on? <laughs> so we were expecting it to be tight. It was tight. A few mistakes again, bit of rust. But that that is possibly our toughest away game of the season. A good chance of that. And we've already got the three points from it and on our second game of the league. And I had a bit in your hand off for that before the league started. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, you mentioned Barry Robson. Yeah, I know he spent a couple of years at Celtic, but he's such a likeable guy. You know how sometimes you come up against uh, a manager and we'll be coming up against one when we visit uh, Kilmarnock very soon, where you know they, they can't bring themselves to give kudos or credit to Celtic. They just can't do it. You know, It's almost as if uh, we'll be tied us, they're rich, their fans leave on buses out of our city and all that. And they look for every excuse other than let's get your own house in order and let's build your own team and your own fan base. I don't see that in Barry Robson. I think it's refreshing. I think he's brought that approach to the game. He's a young manager. He's in his 40s. So you and I are saying that's young. It's his uh, first first managerial tenure. And I I think you'll be fine. You look at that, that table. I've been banging on since the beginning of the season. We focus on Celtic. Of course we do. But, um, in terms of the top four or five clubs in Scotland, you look at obviously Rangers, Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, and I've I've already predicted those other four teams they won't have the same manager come the end of the season. All four of them, anyway. I think there'll be a few casualties. You're looking at that league table. Hibs they don't even have a point on the board at the moment, Jerry, and um, Aberdeen. I think it's a bit of a false reflection. You know. The, the fact they've only got one point, they'll be all right. For looking at that performance at the weekend, Aberdeen will be absolutely fine this season under Barry Robson, won't they? I thought they, they approached the game the right way. I want to make a prediction. I think they'll be better than fine this season or better than all right. I think I saw some right glimpses of that. It's not often when I'm quite 
would I say selfish when I'm watching my own team? I'm really caring about the other ones, and I, I, try, I, I don't really focus on their players. I know that sounds really kind of, I don't know, disrespectful, but I don't mean it that way. I'm just too busy and ingrained and gross to my own team. But some of their players and some of their play was really, really good. Who was the boy in the wing that was obviously terrorised Greg Taylor all, all game? Was it Norris? Morris? Norris um, and Morris. Yeah, the the young guy. I'll double check that because James was talking about him before the game as being uh, one of the the danger men for Aberdeen. Um, and I think that you know we'll come to Taylor by the way because I think that if we start taking the team and, and try to you know dismantle the team, looking at centre halves, the situation there, there are issues. You know, one of the one of the partnerships away, one of the partnership is injured. Um, we've got new guys coming in. We've got Stephen Welsh possibly being thrown a lifeline. You look at the fullbacks, Jerry. A change in system seems to be suiting Ralston, not so much Taylor, your namesake, who was getting loads of plaudits and rightly so last last season. You move into the midfield, you start asking yourself about the fact that you know Turnbull, uh, you know he's getting a run of games. Game two of that run, and he, he flatters to deceive. You bring in Atati, he gets injured. There's so much to talk about. The wingers, how we're changing their kind of role in the team. And then Kyogo, his role's changing as well. The impact of the subs, the game management of Brendan Rodgers. So much to discuss today. But yeah, we were discussing when it went live, whether or not Peter and Luis Capaldi are related. And obviously, you know, because they share a surname. I mean, Lyndon Dykes, no, I wish I had the talent of Lyndon Dykes. Yes, he's a talented footballer, of course he is, but we're not related. I'm pretty sure down the line, maybe 300 years ago, there might be some kind of uh, bloodline. However, the Capaldis, you've also got Gianni, a fellow actor, Gianni Capaldi, a big Celtic oh, fan. That's right, as yeah. well, yes. They've got, they've got uh, to be related to Canabe. I don't know. A lot of Italians yeah. move to Scotland. <laughs> of course, of course. I used to play football with a guy called Paul McCarry, so instantly you thought he must be related to we Luigi. Um, <laughs> and obviously, as you say, uh, massive immigration and uh, loads of Italian Celts and Italian Glaswegians. So yes, we're probably talking nonsense, but there you go. Fill us in on the comments. Well, the reason we were talking about it wasn't just random. It's I'm now obviously pals with Peter Capaldi because I, I met him for a selfie in Glasgow. You're, you're his I met him for a selfie. I hounded him for one when I saw him. But such a nice guy. Lovely, lovely guy. I've heard nothing anyway. but good things about him. Yeah, yeah, you know, loads to talk about. I was up at Celtic Park today. Before we get into the action, into the nitty-gritty, Jerry. here's how to start your Monday, right? So I go up to Celtic Park on a Monday morning now. It's great. I get my... 15 minutes of exercise on a Monday morning after a one-hour drive and, a, a, you know, a coffee or a latte that's probably got about 800 calories in it. I have my 10-minute walk, which is great. And I just pulled into the car park. I got a wee knock on the window and I, I look around, there's this this lady standing there. So um, she's she's told me that she's listening to Axom. So big shout out to you. I know you want to remain anonymous. Um, she listens to Axom and she heard that we were raising cash for wee Jamie. And she said, you know, I'm not great on the, the PC or on the smartphones and all that. So I thought I'd come up and see you. And she handed me an envelope. with a, It's a sealed envelope. Obviously, I'm going to hand it to Jamie's dad. And I just thought to myself, the power of the Celtic fan base is, is incredible. It's famous. It's famous for that level of generosity. You know, it's built on that, Jerry. Uh, yeah. But in this day and age where, you know what, access to constant information is a phenomenal thing. Phenomenal thing, right? And we use it and we utilise it to your benefit. But it can also be a bad thing. There's a there's a negative side to it, Jerry. You know, I think there's there's an issue with mental health relating to that constant influx of information and social media and likes and and all that kind of stuff. 
And what can get lost in that is just the genuine people who want to make a difference and want to help you out and all that. So big shout out to uh, that beautiful lady today. That that was just phenomenal, Jerry. That, that's huge. Uh, and I think I said to you this morning, this is it's kind of restored my faith in humanity, things like this. And we've spoken about it. I don't want to get too personal on a podcast, but I've spoken to friends and even myself included. When mental health's not at its best, it's, it's things like this, like this podcast has kind of got me through some tough times recently, as you know. Don't want to go down that route, but it's great. And it's just like everyone banding together. I think it's brilliant. What when you were telling me at the start when you when you were texting saying, "Oh, I got a chap on my my window," I, I was expecting it to be security Celtic parts finally getting you hounded out. <laughs> oh. up every Monday. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm waiting on that. I'm waiting on that chap on the window. Uh, but you know what? We'll be get we'll we'll get creative. I might just then take the walk down London Road. You know, past that guy's house that's got all the mural and all that on it, um, right. and past the boozers that everybody will recognise. I'll just change it up. You know, if that happens, it happens. You know, there's always a way. Um, get your comments in. I want to talk about some of the changes that we're seeing in Brendan Rodgers' approach to the Celtic side. Also, the shape of the Celtic side is changing. Is it changing for the better? Is there going to be a period of transition, perhaps, um, whereby the performances might not be at their best, but we can manage the game? That's the first thing I want to talk about. If that was a, an Ange Borsacoglu team, and I've been told stop mentioning Ange, right, aye, but I'm, I'm just comparing the two because we're transitioning from Borsacoglu to Rodgers here. If that was Ange's approach, I, I firmly believe that yeah, but we're capable of shipping that goal in the first half. Yeah, that would have been something that wouldn't have surprised me at all. Um, mitigating circumstances in that Carter Vickers didn't deal with something the way you would expect him to deal with it. And then we find out he was injured. So that's maybe, obviously, you hold your hands up and say, right, fair play. Um, you don't expect that from him. If we go in at 2-1, Celtic would have approached it in the, in the way that we've seen so many times, Jerry whereby Ange would have still gone out and played that exact same game of football, whereby we'll try to craft chance after chance after chance. I'd love to see the stats, just the cold, hard stats on shots on goal, shots on target and possession. That was Ange's game, wasn't it? And I think wherever he goes, that will always be his game. doesn't matter if you're playing Ross County or Real Madrid, he'll play the same way. But I didn't see that at the weekend. What I seen was a side who got their nose back in front, we weren't playing brilliantly. The midfield battle, really, we weren't winning that. You know, we weren't because I felt two of the three midfielders were off it in the first half. O'Reilly was the only one getting pass marks. Changed it up at half time. But what I seen from Rodgers was he was managing the game. He allowed Aberdeen possession. He knew that we could soak it up and we did soak it up. And then it gets to the point where once you get that chance to completely finish the game, take it. And we did it. And I think the substitutes were a part of that move. Home started it. Yang done his wee trickery in the box, created a chance. There was the space for O'Reilly. We kind of tired them down. We ground them down. We got the win. That was a different approach from Brennan Rogers, wasn't it? Yeah, and it's good to see because I think compared to when he was here first time round, I think he is much more willing to change things because um, I might be wrong here, but when he was first time round, I think people would say there's never a plan B with Brendan Rogers, especially in his first season. Not that he needed a plan B right enough, but... I think it's it's refreshing to see that he is willing to make these changes. I liked the fact that he did. I don't like the fact Turnbull had to get hooked at halftime, but I do like the fact that Brendan had the bravery to take him off at halftime because he knew it needed changed. I mean, what was it you said? Dispossessed eight, nine times in the first mm -hmm. half. Yep. So he had to make those changes. I don't think it was just personal on Turnbull. I think uh, Brendan said himself that he, Hitati knew he would win more balls back for them, uh, get right in about it. So, it's refreshing to see. I do. 
I think it's because it's, we've been so used to this 100 mile an hour, we, we never stop. And even with the throw-ins, you saw, I mean, it, it was like 10, 15 seconds to stop for a set play. And I think we are so used to just watching this fast. I got quite frustrated at times with the stop start. I, I didn't like that as much. I don't think Brendan did either. He even commented and like the throw-in situation. That's another conversation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm still excited. There's, I think there's a lot of people saying that they're not liking some of the things that they're seeing. I, I think we're going the right way. I think two tough games to start. Maybe not so much Ross County, a tough game, but I'm saying tough because there will still be some rust that first game. Second game away to Aberdeen. The only thing that's worrying me slightly is CCV, the injury. Um, mm. And Tati, obviously. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm enjoying watching this just now. Yeah, this is the thing that under Andre, at halftime, like I was saying, what you would expect us to do is just wave after wave of attack, keep breaking them down, score as many goals as you possibly can. That could become frustrating. And I remember um, watching the game and covering the game with Kevin McCluskey last season at Pataudry, where it ended up being a 1-0 win, where Callum McGregor scored the goal, James A. Forrest set it up. Uh, a real captain's kind of role from McGregor. A uh, really good controlled shot, and he scores the goal. And, you know... More often than not, the goal came. Sometimes it didn't, and that became really frustrating. It was wave after wave after wave. But sometimes, you know, you came up against a resolute banky, two banks of four, which a lot of clubs do, and, and they just kind of like stifled us and stifled us in our creativity, and it was very, very frustrating to watch. Now, it was entertaining when it worked, though, Jerry, and you, sc- you, you scored a lot of goals and we could dismantle teams. At the weekend there, I just felt it was far more pragmatic. It was like, right, Aberdeen are up for this. They did that thing that Ross County did where they tried to get at us within the first 10 minutes. You could see it. They've got good forward players. They've brought in, you know, I think they've bought well and they've kept some of their important players. We spoke about that at the weekend. But Rodgers, I just thought, was a lot, you know, cure. Wily old fox thinking to himself, you know, we can soak this up. Um, Let's start off at the back. Now, Joe Hart has come in for a lot of criticism. Over the, I would say, maybe the last season, or so, it's it's heightened. And then over the preseason, I've noticed a lot of people talking about Hart, the need for a new goalie. By the way, I agree we do need a new goalkeeper. And if we're going to bring one in, it needs to be one to challenge Hart, not just one to warm the bench. I don't see the point in that. It looks as though Segrist is on his way from what you hear, you know, the, the fact that he's not happy, he's not getting game time. It looks as though he's on his way. If Bain wants to be a third-choice goalie, Jerry, I'm happy with him being the third choice. I'm not so happy with him being the second choice. You know, Joe Hart gets injured, suspended. We're going to a big game against Rangers, a cup game in Europe. I'm not really confident that Bain's the man for that job. I don't mind him being a third uh, a third choice. We need that second choice to come in and challenge Hart. But I've got to say at the weekend, if we're going to criticise Joe Hart when he does it wrong, we're going to have to praise him when he does it right. None more so than our very own Danielle in the comment section coming on at the weekend and praising Joe Hart. Did you see it? Brilliant. I saw it at half time, wasn't it? Screenshot it. Yeah, screenshot it. Now, Matt the thing with Joe... <laughs> Absolutely. The thing with Joe Hart that I think is such an obvious change since Brendan's come in, he's not scared to put his laces through the ball, Jerry. Now, Listen, we're not talking Dave Bassett's Wimbledon side in the 1980s, the long ball merchants and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes clear your lines, right? Now, I don't think it means that you don't know football, you don't know tactics, you don't know data. At the end of the day, right, we were doing that so often that there was, you know, there was a high risk that we were going to lose a goal from doing it. 
And many, many of the, the opportunities last season that were given to the op- opposition was through the fact that we didn't clear our lines. We simply didn't clear the ball into a space up top and then pressurise, try and get Aberdeen on the back foot in their, in their own defensive third. Joe Hart did it all day yesterday. And it, it's, it's pretty clear to me that he's been instructed, listen, I don't mind if you don't find a pass. Don't always look for you know Tony Ralston or your centre-half. Because, as I've said before, that heat map of passing movements between our goalie and our two centre-halves, over the last two years, more passes than any other three players on the pitch. And we've kind of tore that up a bit. Joe Hart's not scared just to clear the lines. It's, it's a small thing, Jerry, but very, very noticeable. Definitely is. And do you know what? Saying it's small, for Joe's mentality on that one, I was, I'm not comparing myself to Joe Hart, right, before everyone says, but when I was playing as a goalkeeper, right, I hated having the ball at my feet because I wasn't good with my ball at my feet. Hence the reason I wanted to be in nets. I think it's given him that extra bit of confidence that he's not having to, first thing, find that pass. He knows he can get rid of it. And hopefully that will build his confidence over the season. I do want another goalkeeper in to challenge him. Um, I keep banging on about Fraser Foster. <laughs> get them back in. Get them both challenged. What's, what's Fraz? What's he? What's he up to? Big Fraz. He's. Uh, he's uh, do you know he's Gaffer's Ange? Is it not? Is he not still on the bench at Tottenham? Well, this is it. I mean, listen. I think um, Foster is the most loaned player to Celtic. If you count up all his loan deals, right? Nobody's came to Celtic more often on loan than Fraser Foster. Um, and he's a type of goalie. Testimonial for loans. <laughs> Add it up. Hey, you might be right. Add it up. But one of the strangest ones a couple of seasons back was uh, Beaton and Rogic heading towards testimonial years. You know, that was bizarre. That was bizarre. Um, and both players left with a huge amount of honours. But listen, the minute you, you mention an ex player who's all, you know, who is still active, people are thinking, ah, you know, that, that just lacks imagination. Listen, I understand that, but you know what he can do, right? And uh, I don't know what he would cost. He would cost an arm and a leg, I'm sure. There's other goalies out there. There's a, a great uh, blog on it from Kevin McCluskey. He looks at three, done a, a, a scouting report on three goalies. Uh, alternatives to Levakovic as well. So there's there's plenty out there. And it wouldn't surprise me if we brought one in. But how you know bloated is the squad, Jerry? This is the thing. We've already got rid of a few goalies um, in this pre-season. All the way Yemi's away to, uh, you know, Admira Wacker on loan. So the youngsters are away on loan. We've got rid of Barkas. We've got rid of um, Connor Hazard. So we've already shipped out three three keepers. And there was an emergency loan for our, our young goalie as well. Um, just the other week, he went to Airdrie. So we, we have young Clark. We have shipped out quite a few goalies. We've got, we're left with three. Are we waiting for Seagrass to find a club before we replace him? It's a bit like the Ayeti conversation that we had. Are we waiting until Ayeta leaves the building before we bring in another another striker to back up? Oh, never mind Kyogo. So it will be interesting. But that that was something that I think is very clear. And when I spoke at the beginning of preseason, when when Brendan came in, and I said that his style will suit Hart a wee bit better than Angie's, it was referring to the fact that there's less onus on him doing a shimmy in his own box, trying to take on a player, looking up and trying to find either a full box back or a centre half because very rarely Jerry would he even miss out his defence and go to his midfield uh, his midfield players very rarely would he do that it was 10-15 yard passing and um, obviously you know we, we shipped a few goals as a result of him doing that last season I'm all for it I think it's going to improve Joe Hart's game it might not be as nice on the eye Jerry 
but it's good for the ticker because how many times were the hearts in the mouth last season when he was trying to shimmy past a goal, uh, a player? I was just going to say the exact same thing, mate. It was, it's nice when it pays off and you go, oh, look at our team, we look great. But, mate, I'd be watching it sometimes. My backside would be beating my chair. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like, no, let's <laughs> get it up. Hoof it. Um, I think balance, eh? A bit of balance, right? If it's possible, pass it out. If it's not, punt it out. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I, it's nice to I, see I, you. I like getting mixed up. I like watching it all as well. It's, Matt O'Reilly said something really interesting as well. It's going to take the, the team a little bit of time as well to get used to this new kind of say new style but he says Ange had it ingrained like you think muscle memory two years muscle memory mm. bang 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 mm. and all of a sudden right change that you've, you've got to try and pick that away again it's not going to happen overnight so I, I, I'm actually really liking Matt O'Reilly's interviews just now as well but we can talk about that another time too but yeah no I, I just think we extra bit of confidence in heart I think that would have helped him at the weekend as well I mean he was getting collapsed for punching the ball away and I think there was maybe one time they could have caught it but I don't know. I'm maybe being a bit harsh, but no, I was I was impressed with him. I really was. Yeah, and this this is following an occasion, and you know who knows what the discussions have been in the last week against Ross County with uh, Simon Murray one on one with Joe Hart, and it you know to be fair to to Hart, and I said this after the game against Ross County, I thought that Ralston put him under unnecessary pressure with the nature of the the ball back to him. He's kind of looped the back pass to him. You think to yourself, right, well, that's really going to put Joe Hart under pressure, and it did. The fact that he chose to chest it was probably the worst thing he could have done. Even a, you know, even heading it back in uh, Ralston's kind of direction would have been better. A punch would have been better. He never put himself under any of that kind of pressure at the weekend, and I thought it was great to see. Um, the weekend, incidentally, was the first time in two years that we um, ha- have been without Carol Starfelt. The, the big, beautiful Swede Starfelt has obviously moved to Pastures New, um, and what it meant was that Novroski, for the second week running, started the game. Um, and, you know, it was important to try and build a relationship again between him and Carter Vickers, and we've been in this this mind frame, Jerry, for a couple of years now. Carter Vickers plus A and other, and we'll be all right. <laughs> um, yeah. And sometimes that takes a bit of credit away from Starfelt and the performances he was putting in. You know, uh, what I've seen in the last couple of games, and in particular against Aberdeen, is that Novroski, you know, can stand alone as a centre half. He's not relying on a strong centre half beside him for him to have a good performance. I thought he performed really well, Jerry. Um, and this is this is what I find interesting. So let us know in the comments if you disagree with me, right? Because I was uh, praising Ralston, Maida, we'll come to those two, and Navrosky. I was praising those three players, and so many people disagreed with me at the weekend. And listen, that's fine. It's healthy. Get in and get in on the, the debate. I just don't understand it when you're looking at a lot of good things. I don't know what he'd done wrong, Novroski. I thought he had a very, very good game. He was solid. He was winning headers. I think his anticipation, by the way, something in a defender um, that sometimes goes unnoticed. He's just in the right place at the right time. Like, you remember the old sweeper position, Jerry? He used to yeah. love playing sweeper. You know, that, that Berezi position where he was just always there because he could read a game so well. Not comparing Novroski to Barese. I'm just using Barese. He was the best sweeper in the world, right? It's a position nobody plays anymore. But to anticipate, right, Greg Taylor's going to be in trouble. I better actually get into that space, that wee pocket of space behind him. And he sweeps it up and he makes that look so easy. Uh, his range of passing, I thought, was excellent. He can go long. He can play the ball into his midfielders, into the uh, the pivots. I, I thought Novroski gave us a lot 
to be confident about. But unfortunately for him now, right, it's almost like he's the main man now. Carter Vickers is injured. How do you think he'll take to that? And who do you think will replace Carter Vickers? Well, I think I totally agree with you. I love watching him. I love, I, when I was watching, I felt like he's been in the squad for a long time, the way he was playing. Mm-hmm. And I, and I mm-hmm. don't get... And everyone's like, everyone's entitled to their opinion. I'm just going to disagree with it this time. I thought he was great. And um, the fact that the pressure was put under him when Carter Vickers went off, and it was basically on him and, and Welsh, obviously, and I thought that both of them coped really well. Um, I think I think we're seeing now that Welsh is going to be... One, if we get Lager, Lager Belk... I think it'll be obviously, like you've said, it'll be Welsh, Lagerbelk, CCV, and Narovsky as our four. Mm. But I don't think Stephen Welsh did him so any, any, um, no, he did him still a lot of favours, even. I thought he was, he played really well, he was really assured. And the sound bites coming from Brendan after the game as well, I think pretty much tells us that that's, he's going to be keeping him. Um, I think Narovsky will thrive of that extra pressure of, maybe being the main man in centre defence so quickly. Um, or it could go the opposite way. It could fall apart. But I'm, I'm hoping I'm hoping it won't be the latter. Uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Last week, I was absolutely... I, I didn't know what to think about this centre defense, uh, central defence. I thought we were losing players. I was getting worried when Starfelt left. And now I'm getting a wee bit more confident. Although... CCV coming off wasn't great, but if it wasn't an actual fool, they just felt it a bit. I'm hoping they've caught it in time. Um, he's just come out an operation as well. That's the thing. He's, he was still getting up to scratch. Um, mm-hmm. long way, a long way to go. But first two games of the season, I'm quite happy so far. Just need to try and stop these injuries. Yes, and you know th- this is the thing. As soon as you hear that Carter Vickers was injured, you worry about his knee. You know, a reoccurrence. How many times have players uh, in recovery? you know, had a, a kind of relapse in terms of their injury and you're looking at Carter Vickers and in many ways you're kind of glad it's the muscle injury and not a reoccurrence of the knee injury. So, yeah, I, I think that Carter Vickers and Novroski for me, look as though they could be a solid partnership once they get that relationship going. He's going to have to step up as a new as a new guy. He looks confident. Uh, JP Mason the other week said, you know, he reminds me of Simunovic. Absolutely, another guy who could have been a player but wasn't for dodgy knees and bad injuries, which was very unfortunate. Who are the four then? It looks as though Welsh has jumped up the pecking order a wee bit because there was a group of players there and it was Welsh, Kobayashi, Scales. You then kind of remove Boston Lawa where you say, well, he's a younger player, put him out on loan, get him game time. So it was between those three. There's obviously interest in, in both Welsh and in Scales. It looks as though Welsh has jumped uh, the queue a wee bit. Brennan Rodgers was very positive about the way uh, he was speaking about Stephen Welsh being a Celtic boy. And he is, he is a talent. You know, the reason he was on my list, the guys that could leave this preseason, was he had played six games last season. That wasn't enough. You've got to play more at his stage of his career and his development. Got to play more games. It looks as though we're going to run with him as number four. Um, and I don't mean fourth choice. Um, alongside Carter Vickers, Navroski, and Lagerbjelk once he is announced, which we're expecting this week. Let's throw over to the comments. Um, 1,100 strong on the live stream, Jerry, which is unbelievable to think. Monday. On a Monday afternoon. Seriously, I'm basically in the world of YouTube all day, every day. There's certain things that I subscribe to and watch. Very little football shows, I've got to say, Jerry. I like to look at other things, other aspects, how people do things. And uh, I've watched some hugely popular 
uh, channels with hundreds of thousands of subscribers go live and they're getting a few hundred uh, viewers. So the, the Axome community that comes in here every single day is unbelievable, by the way, and I've got to thank every single one of you. I'm going to thank Paddy Lavery. Paddy Lavery is on virtually every stream. You know, you might miss a couple, Paddy, but you're on virtually every day. I see your name popping up. and uh, You are responsible for sending us this football jersey. It's Crumlin Star, by the way, and they're sponsored by a pizza-making company called Filoni's. I don't know if you can see that. If you guys want to send us a pizza, feel free to do that as well because we will enjoy that in the studio. But Crumlin Star, it's a cracking jersey. You know how much I love my football jerseys. Again, going back to that thing about the kindness, Paddy. Paddy, Paddy, Jerry, the kindness of Paddy, <laughs> Jerry, um, sending us Ah, I know, I know. The avatar changes from time to time, uh, but yeah. just brilliant to, to be receiving gifts like that. And, you know, I came in today and there's two jerseys and I'll get them photographed and I'll thank the individual who sent it to us. Two jerseys added to the, the jersey appeal as well, sell the jerseys. There's a, a Love Street 86 uh, jersey out there with uh, Albert Kidd's signature on it. Uh, and wow. there's a Celtic away one blank waiting for us to fill with signatures, which we'll do. Um, with all the players that we're going to be coming into contact with, including Van Hoydonk, Cadetti and Tom, those three will be joining us in October. Now, when I announced that, I, you know, I'm just putting it out here because everybody's entitled to their opinion. I announced that one uh, last week, at the tail end of last week, uh, Jerry, and it was completely divided into two camps. The first camp was, oh, I can't wait for this night. This will be brilliant. And they've obviously bought tickets because we're we've got fewer than a hundred tickets left for this particular gig. The other Brilliant. camp was, I can't believe you're giving these mercenaries a platform, and that that was Cadetti <laughs> and Van Hoydong. Now, listen, as I say, first and foremost, everybody's entitled to their opinion on yep. players and, and this show and everything else. But what I would say though is that don't always believe the hype, right? So. Van Hoydonk, here's my take on Van Hoydonk. I remember being at his debut. I remember going through on uh, Jockey Munion's bus from Blair Hall that evening, West Five Villages, and we knew that we had signed Van Hoydonk. We knew we'd signed him. We knew the name, right? But see, back in that time, and it wasn't a million years ago, right? That's all you knew. There's no way you could research him. You know, you, you didn't have a, a Dutch correspondent that you could say, how is this guy? We knew we'd signed him from... NAC Breda, it was like 1.2 million quid. And we're turning up not really knowing the quantity that Van Hoydonk was and what he became. He scored that night. I remember a great goal against Hearts. I think he dinked it over Levine and he scored from probably, I don't know, 15 yards. It was a great goal. It was at Hamden Park. It was one each. We drew a lot of games that season. Now, Van Hoydonk developed into one of our star attractions yeah, he was an overseas player, which at that time, it was in its infancy. We had this scouting network headed by David Hay, who was identifying players like Van Hoydonk and Tom, Cadetti, Decani, all these guys. And we were bringing them in, and it was a, a calibre player, Jerry. that, you know, our signings had been mainly domestic, and this was a different calibre player. He became a bit of a hero, but very quickly, he became this kind of mercenary figure who was demanding more money. Um, right, I get all that. I get all that. And I know that, you know, Celtic have been used and the Celtic fans have been used time and time again. But the, the flip side of that is that Van Hoydonk claims that, you know, he was promised by Fergus McCann, if he was a success at Celtic, they would review his wages. He was promised that. Strangely enough, Cadetti 
said the same, and so did Decanio. Hence the reason Fergus called them the three amigos, right? Because he thought they were <laughs> bandits. He thought they were bandits. They were just what he made money and all that. Right. So I'm going to take that point on board first, right? So if they were, it's something that has become far more normalised since then, isn't it, Jerry? A lot yeah. of players have used Celtic and, and agitated for a move and, and pushed for a move. Loads of them. There might even be one or two in the squad right now who are doing it. So I get that. But the one thing that upset a lot of people were these homeless comments. Remember the the, the homeless comments? I spoke Actually, to Liam. Aye, well, I, I get if, if they were accurate, why people would be upset about it. So there, there's a quote whereby he was on seven grand a week, was, was Van Hoydonk, right, at the time. Big money for Celtic, seven grand a week. And he wanted to get put onto a wage that was more aligned to Cadetti and De Canio. And I think it was more kind of like 12, 14 grand, double his wages, basically. And Fergus wasn't prepared to do it. And there was a quote attributed to Van Hoydonk which said that that kind of money, i.e. seven grand, is okay for a homeless person. It's not good for a footballer, right? Now, for years, because it was printed in a newspaper, Jerry, it was fact. Because obviously yeah. back in those days, you know, media, journalism, everything was different. And it was actually when I was talking to Liam Carrigan, Liam was in the industry at the time and he said, it didn't quite work that way. That wasn't quite what happened. That's what might have been reported. And um, so I dug out an old interview that, that Van Hooydonk had uh, done where he basically says, I never once mentioned homeless people. Never once did I mention that. So he was misquoted. So I'm going to put it out there. Who do you trust? Pierre Van Hooydonk or the Scottish press? Your choice. Exactly. Um, and listen, listen, if you think they're mercenaries, right, okay, that's, that's your opinion, I get it. But is it no good if we're taking these mercenaries, as you call them, to raise money for a great cause? If anything, and, we're using them to make the money for this, for a great cause. Yeah. All right, it's not as if for, I mean, the cameo's not there, is he? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not. I think Although, we would have a better debate if it was the cameo, I would understand. But that, that would be an issue. That would be an that issue. Would be, yeah. That would be. But... I think the fact is these guys are still want to come and talk about a club that they played for mm-hmm. to help raise money. I think that speaks volumes for their character as well and volumes of what they actually thought of the club. How many places have you worked where you like the job but you don't like your bosses? Do you know what I mean? No, I, I know, I know. And all that. that to me, that's thing. I think what Axum's done here um, is amazing. To get these three guys on the same night, I don't think people understand how tough a job that has been um, for you that for exactly. you to organise that as well, and I just think it's great. We're we're, we're raising money, uh, and it's it's going to be a great night. If you think they're mercenaries, you don't need to come along. Understand? I'll go for you, and I'll report back if they are. Okay. I'm always of the view as well. Um, you know, Decanio is one that, that I spoke to uh, Professor Mealy about, and his dad obviously fought Franco. And I said to uh, to Willie Mealy, I said to him, you know, about. De Canio and he said, you know, my dad loved watching Paolo De Canio, even though he's a fascist. He loved watching uh-huh. him play football. He was an entertainer. Um, yeah. and I think that what's important is you take people to task, right? You know, De Canio, if I was to ask him one question, it wouldn't be about the golden boots. It wouldn't be about um, any of the goals that he scored or the bust up with Ian Ferguson or, or any of these kind of things. I'd ask him about his politics. I'd ask him to try and, and explain to me how on earth anybody on this planet could have that kind of state of mind politically. Um, and again, with Van Hooydonk, I'll ask him the question about uh, the homeless and, and see what he says. Let, let's okay. take him to task. Let's take him to task. One of my memories, sorry for cutting you off there, I want to get this. One of my memories, uh, Van Hooydonk, um, my papa, he was actually a Hearts fan, believe it or not. He was from Edinburgh, but moved to Preswick. 
And I remember the first time, my first real memory of I Van Hooydon, I remember the game, but I remember my papa saying after it, oh, that's some player you've got in that Van Hoodie Donk. <laughs> <laughs> Van Hoodie Donk. And by Van the way, I, I never corrected him. He always called yeah. him Van Hoodie Oh, that Van Hoodie Donk. Oh, score my game. <laughs> it's up there with Kev Graham's uh, pronunciation of El Yanusi, which I won't pronounce. Um, I'll let Kev yeah, do that when he's back Kev on the Nevrovsky, show. Nevrovsky, Nevrovsky's name, right? So. Uh, I know, I know. Uh, here we go. Stephen Sloan, including our friendlies, we've played eight games so far and we've only had two clean sheets. That's not good enough. We look great going forward, but we're not great at the back. I spoke last week about this kind of defensive transition. I think what's happened here is you're breaking up the uh, centre-half partnership that's that's you know served us so well for two years, Jerry. You've got that. You then look at the full-backs. They're no longer playing inverted. They're playing traditional full-backs, whereby... If we are in possession and attacking, one of them becomes an attacking force because they're overlapping. And then your back four becomes a back three. So Teller or Ralston tucks in. And then you've got the goalie who's not expected to to be playing the ball around, you know, short passing moves, etc. He can put his laces through the ball. So every aspect, every element of that defence has changed. And I think what we're seeing at the moment, Jerry, is that transition. Yeah, it's a concern, especially if you're, you're shipping goals. Let's look at the competitive games. Two games played, three three goals conceded. Uh, that's no great. That needs to improve. But I think with a, a change in personnel and everything else clicking amongst the guys that are already playing, that will improve in the coming weeks. Yeah, I hope so. And Stephen's right in what he's saying. We are shipping a lot of goals right now. I think I said a couple of weeks ago, we might be in for a season where it's as long as we score a couple more than them. I hope that's not going to be the case. Um, Brendan will know himself that it's that somebody cutting the grass out there. Can you hear that now? <laughs> Vaguely, vaguely, in the Absolutely. distance. In the distance. I mean, that's better than what James McKenzie's doing. He's listening to Kendrick Lamar through there. Um, <laughs> don't, don't know why. Can you hear it? <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> um, but I sort of, if it gets too loud, let me know. What was the question? <laughs> There's a transition. I think it's natural that you'll go through a stage. And by the way, also going on about the fullbacks, we're playing a second choice right back. For all intents and purposes, Ralston's been brilliant in my view. However, our first choice right back's injured. So you've got all these different elements at play here at the minute, Jerry. I just think it will settle down, particularly if we get one or two more in. Uh, definitely. I, my worry is a wee bit about... I'm a big Greg Taylor fan, but I think there's a lot of kind of leaks going through him right now. He seems to be letting it drop over him. and He's not. He's, he's turn. What am I trying to say here? It's dropping over him and he's not turning fast enough. He's, he, he, everything, a lot of it's going past him. I don't know if he's a bit nervous because it's a new boss. I don't know. Um, we know he's better and he's capable a lot better anyway. But I'm a wee bit squeaky bum time when it comes to left back right now because um, we know that Bernie's obviously been a bad boy. Um, so, And this could have been his chance as well. This is what I mean. He's surely somebody saying, look what you've done. Right, if Greg Taylor's form's not going to be that great, this would have been your opportunity, but you've blown it because you're not turning up in time. Um, I've kind of got a soft spot for him though, because I kind of like—I don't. It doesn't look like a bad guy. It's just that he's obviously a bit young in the heat still, maybe. He's, he's a bit of a loose cannon, I think, uh, Bernabe. I, I remember, obviously, the, the obvious ones, the fact that he didn't have an alarm clock, the fact that he got done for drunk, drunk driving, all that stuff. Everybody knows all that. But even if you look at the Dundee United one last season, where he's handballed, uh, you know, and he, you know, he gets penalised and it's a penalty, it's a shocking decision. But he, he completely lost the plot. 
he lost the plot. His discipline was gone. He had to get. He got hooked at half time. If you remember that that game when Dundee United got the penalty, so he got taken off at half time because he just couldn't focus on the game. So I think there's a lot to learn, uh, Bernabe wise. A lot of people are writing him off, Jerry. But you're right. This was his moment. If your left back isn't playing great, isn't really adapting to the the shape, the new shape that Brendan's brought in, Bernabe gets a shot. He's not had that shot because he slept in for for the uh, the briefing before the first game, you know. And you think to yourself, what might have happened that day could have been a, a bit of a, a David Turnbull moment. He could have got 30 minutes and impressed. He could have started against Aberdeen. Listen, sliding doors, what might happen is he might get shipped out as a result of it. Because I think we're in a situation now where the two areas of the defence that we really need to, to be looking at. For me, at this moment, we know Lager Bielk's come in. I think that gives us a four. We need that backup goalie and we need, I'm going to say a backup left back, but I don't think you sign a backup left back. You, you sign one to take Greg Taylor's jersey. Um, what that means for Bernabe, I think that, that would end. If we buy a left back, I think Bernabe's career is over at Celtic, which is a shame because you know he came in at an age uh, where you're thinking to yourself, four million quid, this is a good investment for a boy of that age, must have a high ceiling. Didn't didn't get going for him at under Ange. Yeah, it didn't suit him. I think I actually think the shape would suit him better now where there's more of an onus on the overlap. You're going to have to defend. Ralston showed that at the weekend. You're going to have to be able to defend. Um, and I want to speak a wee bit about Ralston, give him a bit of credit. Mm-hmm. He is the guy who, no matter what he does, Jerry, there are some people who just will never see it. They'll never see the performance. I thought Ralston was was excellent at the weekend. I really do. I think that he does all that kind of dirty stuff whereby he needs to get into the nitty-gritty tackles where sometimes he comes off better, sometimes his opponent does. He does all that. He gets into the wars. He's very combative. But I also like him going forward. I think he links up well uh, with the right winger. He links up well with the badder. And um, he won a lot of, for me, he won a lot of his duels both aerially and, and on the deck. And um, he's definitely the, the, the backup, but I'm happy with with him as a backup. I'm far happier with the right-hand side of that defence. So a big shout-out to Tony Ralston. Jungle uh, Lion. Sorry, on you go, Jerry. No, I'm just, just going to say, mate, I, I totally agree with that as well. Um, I, th- I thought Ralston... Was, I've got a soft spot for him, a real soft spot, because he's passion. I know you just can't keep a player because of passion, but I think... Do you know what it is? I think some fans, because he's not as fast, I think some fans are a bit... And he made what I think it was one bad pass, and that was that folk were getting on his back. But the rest of the game, focus people need to stop focusing on one little thing that you might do in a game that doesn't work, and then that defines their whole game. But I thought he was great, I thought he could have been man of the match, genuinely. At one point, there was a so, moment at the back post, Jerry. And if you remember that we focused massively on the Ross County goal, whereby we failed to deal with a just a corner. We failed to deal with a corner. And and by the way, if you look at the, the data on corner kicks and goals scored directly, not directly from the corner, but obviously with the corner being the assist, the percentage is tiny. That doesn't happen very often because corners are legitimately easy to, to defend. And we made a we, we made a right mess of that and we failed to win the header at the back post and it's resulted in a goal for Ross County and it completely changed the game. There was a moment against Aberdeen Similar ball came in at the back post and, and Ralston done everything in his power and he wins the header, right? It was a brilliant piece of defending and it barely gets a mention. And it barely gets a mention because that's the dirty work. That's the, the unglamorous kind of side of the game that, that Ralston does. You know, he, he just rolls up the sleeves and he gets that done. doesn't get much credit for it. But the, the result of him not winning that header could be the Ross County moment. You know, 
the previous weekend where they get a goal, it's two each, and we really are up against it. We need to up the levels. That's when you're looking at your bench. Jungle line reckons we still need three or four. Where do I think we need to strengthen? Goalkeeper, left back, I still want a left winger, although Tilio and, and Yang might prove otherwise. And, and I, I would still like a striker because the minute we get an injury up there, which we've got at the moment, you're down to the bare bones. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would not disagree with you, Jungle Line, three or four. We've got loads of money in the bank, Jerry. I know. Um, I just know, the, the Burnaby bit. Sorry for cutting you off again there because I said, what was it? Oh, Burnaby's going to be a big player under Brendan. I can tell he really likes him. So that's the Jerry Jinx and the Kobayashi. So don't ask me about the defenders anymore. The, the Jerry Jinx, I like it. Um, <laughs> did you want Scott Bain in goals as well? Say you did because we won't be getting rid of But the three or four <laughs> players that, that, that Jungle Lion refers to there, I'm just thinking, right, left back, are we looking at it as a club saying, right, we're a bit top-heavy with goalies now, we've got three, don't need another goalie. Is that the way we're looking at it? Because left back, we've got we've got two, we've also got skills who can play left back. Up top, you know, I think we are a wee bit short up top. I think you could argue that we need one in there, although a Yeti never gets a mention. Is it because we have got these players in there that's, that, you know, that's really slowing everything down, Jerry? Do we need to get a few bodies out the door first? I think so. I think it's going to be one of these, maybe not the last day of the season, but the last, definitely the last few days of the transfer market. I think we're going to see the window. Sorry, I think we're just going to see a good few players going and a couple coming in. I really think that, and I think it'll all happen quite close together because, like you say, it's like you need to start getting the the wages out first before you decide what you're going to start bringing in um, and see who's going to dig their heels in. That's what I'm interested in. Who's digging their heels in right now? But I, I, I don't see, I don't sense much frustration coming from Brendan Rodgers in, in his, his interviews yet. But it's very, it's an interesting one. Like under Ange, everything was done really quickly. And I don't know if that was with the board were more scared at Ange. Or is it just that Brendan doesn't push as hard and, and he's, he's a lot more patient. And he, he just believes that he's going to get the players he wants. And... He has got a great group of players at his disposal just now as well. Yeah. Really great. I I look at it, Jerry, simply as being that uh, change of management, right? So the whole thing is, you know, going down this this particular thread whereby there's players coming in. We've seen four of them coming in. There was probably another batch that Ange had his eyes on that would be the secondary batch of players that were coming in the pre-season. I reckon the first batch has come in because Brendan's thinking, right, I trust your judgment on those four. The next batch, I think Brendan Rodgers saying, I want to be far more involved in the recruitment of any player coming into this football club. Uh, he's obviously quite happy with the first four that's come in because they have featured. I know that Quan dropped off the bench at the weekend. That that you know that was a necessity, really. Uh, he's used home, he's used Yang, and uh, I think Noroski was the first of a, a new batch of players that Brendan's had more involvement in bringing in. That's where I think the delays have come in. It's almost as if we've had to do this We reset after the first force came in. Um, there's a lot of work to be done. It might happen at the tail end of the transfer window. Actually, I got sent a link from a couple of the Axom contributors today, um, a very rare interview by uh, from sorry Lee Griffiths, who obviously signed on the last day of the transfer window when he came to the club. He's a player who completely divides opinion, mainly for his off-field antics, um, Jerry, And uh, obviously, the use of social media has been highlighted over the last 24 hours. He was one that fell foul to that. Watch the interview. Very interesting. It's on a, a platform called 26 Podcast, which is on YouTube. 
Um, I think that there's a bit of a, an insight into uh, some regrets that Lee Griffiths has. And I would recommend that absolutely no association tax on whatsoever with no skin in the game. I just, I just enjoyed it. I thought it's good to see sometimes a player just saying, you know what, I could have done better here. I could have been better. And uh, this is why I'm now playing lower league football in Australia. But yeah, I would I would tap, tap into that. But there's an example of a player that came in very, very late in the window and became a success. Carter Vickers was signed on the last day, remember, almost an emergency loan, and he turned into be a phenomenal player. So we can only fully judge it at the end of the window. And Magnet 67 comes in, afternoon Axon team, proper game of footy on Sunday. We are still very much in transition, and Joe Hart's comments were spot on after the game. Matty seems to be coming uh, a leader. Let's talk about the midfield then. Matt O'Reilly does look every inch the leader. Uh, this season, Jerry, We've seen a real growth in this player since he came to the club, and I think he is developing into one of our star men in the midfield. Do you know what? Yeah, he really is. And I mentioned earlier his interviews. Do you know what I'm seeing? It's, what we need to understand, I think Matt O'Reilly is a really sensitive guy. You know, and I mean that in a good way. He's a loving, caring guy. And you see the passion in his interview, and he's like, I just want to do so well. And he says, I think I was trying too hard last season. I don't think he played as well under someone that he was maybe as intimidated by. Because some folk don't react as well to that kind of management. I think he likes the whole Brendan Rodgers taking him under his arm, sitting with him in the canteen, all that kind of thing. And I think I think what's happening is that's kind of magnifying and showing us Matt O'Reilly's true personality, his mentality, and I think he's thriving from it. And yeah, I totally agree. There's, there's real kind of leadership qualities coming out of him now. Um he seems like a really nice guy. He's always sticking up for the players, and I, I, I'm, I'm loving what I'm seeing. And the fact is that he's backing up with his performances as well. Two goals in his first two games, and he hadn't scored till February last season. So it just shows the difference. What a bit of confidence can do, and belief in yourself as well. So I'm excited to see what he can do for the rest of the season. And there's there's me jinxed it now. That'll be him injured. <clears throat> Matt O'Reilly for me, Jerry, is a player who, if he continues on that trajectory, then he could be like different level, you know, a really, really high ceiling. I think Atati, you know, the fact he's not played or started rather the last two games, it, it makes no difference to my opinion of Atati. I still think he's a supremely talented footballer and he'll show that this season once he gets back into the groove. But Matt O'Reilly for me, I think we're seeing season on se- season a notable you know, change, development, improvement in that player. And he's clearly enjoying his football. Um, the one thing we spoke about was to try and add goals to his game. If he does that, takes him to a completely different level. Two games, two goals. He's doing it. He was in acres of space. Some people say that's bad defending. Maybe it's well played by Matt O'Reilly to get and find that pocket of space and time his run perfectly. And, you know, it was brilliant, uh, O'Reilly. The last point I would make on the Griffiths thing, uh, you know, it seemed rather random that I brought it up, but it was just a shout out. I know a lot of people like content, Celtic content. It's worth watching. He talks a, a great deal about Celtic and his time at the club. Is the use of social media. Obviously, Lee Griffiths fell full to that, Jerry. There is uh, an absolute epidemic of footballers who think that it's all right to slip into the DMs of female fans. You know, that I'll tell you what, it's just bubbling under the surface. I've heard so many bad tales about that, Jerry. Uh, wow. Professional footballers. And th- this is the kind of thing that happens time and time again. It's like this thing that doesn't really get spoken about. Um, I'm not naming any names, but it's happening on a regular basis. 
And with regards to that, how do you manage it as a football club? Because everybody's got the freedom. They've all got their smartphones sitting in their pocket. They're using platforms, Jerry, that I'm not even on. And, and it, you know what? It's not even an age thing because I do love technology and I do love media. And social media is a massive part of that. But there are some platforms where I look at it and I think, how could that really, you know, how could I utilize that? Is that going to be good for Axel? Do we have a, an audience on that particular platform? And I'm not convinced with some of them. I'll probably end up testing the water and dipping the toe in with some of them. But obviously, it's a minefield out there. And obviously, last night, we've seen another example of it because uh, Odin Tiago Home felt it necessary to make a post, which has since been deleted which was disrespectful uh, in many people's views against a fellow professional. And I think that we've seen examples of it. Two years ago, right, Lee Griffiths, the aforementioned, got in a bit of hot water because of the messages that he was sending to an individual, to the point where the final appearance in a Celtic jersey was met with boos from the Celtic fans when he came on as a sub against West Ham. He never kicked another ball for Celtic again. And quite frankly, his career has nosedived off the side of the planet. If I say that, that doesn't mean I'm a flat earther, by the way. Off the side <laughs> of the planet, right? Gone, down, nosedive, downward trajectory. That's what's happened. He's dealing with that himself. But at that time, I remember saying on Axon, how can the club better manage this, right? Because it is such a minefield, Jerry, where everybody's got the freedom to just post whatever they like. What if they post something that's completely inappropriate? What if they're up to stuff that's completely inappropriate? And it's a very fine balance because on the one hand, right, it's probably the only way now safely that uh, a footballer can engage with the fan base. You know, we've gone are the days when Celtic players would walk from Celtic Park up London Road to Barrafield and meet players, uh, fans rather, and some of them would actually nip in for a sausage on the roll, believe it or not, on their way to training. You know, they'd be walking up having a sausage on a roll. By the way, I'm going to have to ask um, John Hughes about this on Wednesday because that happened, you know. That's incredible. You, could, you just couldn't imagine it. So it's a different way of engaging with the fan base, so I get that. Also get the fact that players can be brands. They've got merch. They've got this whole brand. There's a real awareness around that, Jerry, which back in the day, it didn't exist. You're talking about Di Canio. I remember Di Canio was the first ever Celtic player to have an image right um, clause in his contract. It was about buying image rights. It's the 1990s. You know, so if Celtic as a football club were to stick Di Canio on a mug or a frisbee or a mask, Di Canio got a a cut of the payment. First time in Celtic's history that happens. We're far more aware. What can the club do? Because it's difficult to manage it, isn't it? I don't. I, I, yeah, exactly. And do you know what? See the thing about this one as well, we're home. I don't think his intention was to upset someone. I think he was very naive in what he put up. Um, whether it was a song, song lyric or not, the lyric was basically offensive towards the player who was sat down. I didn't like it because... I just feel like that's not us. And if we were playing a re real game that was gritty and, and maybe there was a bit of animosity there, you, you could maybe understand slightly. But I didn't. I was I respected Aberdeen how they played against us. I don't think there was any badness, and it's, it's something I don't. I didn't like to see. And as soon as it came up, I was like, "That can't be right." And somebody went, "Well, it's, it's a song title." And I went, "Yeah, but there's also there's a song lyric." I said, "Yeah, but there's also other offensive song lyrics that you could aim at someone, and it wouldn't be taken well." So I think there was a it was a naivety. The fact that it's been taken down straight away shows you that pretty much I bet all these players in the WhatsApp group at Celtic have went, mate, what are you doing? Get that down. 
I, I just pictured Callum McGregor straight away, mate. Bef- take that down before the boss sees it. Um, he's a great player as well, by the way. This is what's getting me, and I think let's. I mean, the day before, right? But let's put it in the context. The day before, did you see his post on Instagram? He is that sat a Lego with, one. Aye, he sat with his wee cat doing Lego before a game, right? I mean, look at the difference, right, between those two posts. So it's like there's there's a middle. Do uh-huh. that. Yeah, so I didn't like Absolutely. to see it. I thought he was naive. I don't think he's a bad guy. I've not met him right enough. So, But I I think we've, we've put it to bed now. It's done. Have a word in his ear. And let's not see any of that again because that's not, that's not how we do it. Lawrence even said that's a target on his back. The next Aberdeen game, if I'm that player that he's posted about in the ground, I'm, I, I'm coming for you. I am coming Payback. for you in that game. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets left out that game. Well, I, w- I wasn't happy with... Um, I remember Julian was uh, agitating for the move, um, but obviously he doesn't get spoken about in the same vein as, as Van Hooydonk. He was agitating for a move and he was on his way. He was on a plane and he's putting out on um, Instagram with a wee emoji with the eyeballs and all that. Totally disrespectful. The move breaks down. People need to say, Paul, you need to get over this. The move breaks down and he, come, <laughs> he needs to come back to Celtic. And then, of course, we've got Yakamaka's doing the same with the wee timer. You know, the, the what do you call it? The egg timer. Yeah. I just don't like it, Jerry. I, I think sometimes it can be disrespectful to Celtic and our supporters. It can be disrespectful to fellow professionals. Other people might say, let us know in the comments what you think. Are we overreacting here? Others are maybe saying, you know what? Uh, we, Greg Taylor called Morelos fat boy and it, it turned into a meme and a t-shirt and everything else what's the difference you know let us know what you think it's just a debate I'm putting it out there I, I like Kendrick Lamar I like hip hop and all that kind of stuff however is it befitting of a Celtic player to do that after we have beaten them fair and square on the pack let us know your thoughts in the comment section we're in that world Jerry we're, we're live on YouTube we're part of that you know, world in, in terms of media and the use of media, and it's a good discussion topic. It's very difficult for the club you um, mean you have and how they can deal with us, we? <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, and that's before I that's before I leave that's before I leave the house um, to get to my <laughs> So there you go. Uh, let us know what you think. Snowflake Central. I know that people are going to say that, Nicholas. I get it. I totally get it. Right, but it's Celtic you're representing. And this is the thing. And whilst you're representing Celtic, you've got to do it in a certain way, Jerry. In my view, in my view, if you disagree with me, absolutely not a problem. We can have a discussion about that. And that's what we do. Uh, what about this? Oh, away on a tangent again. It's a Celtic state of mind. We might be talking about something that happened in 1929. We might be talking about a song that was sang in the 60s or, or a football jersey we wore in the 80s. And we'll always bring it back to the here and now. And that's what we're going to do just now. Another uh, performance that plenty of people disagreed with, with myself on was um, Maeda, right? So I'm watching the game and you know that old comment, of, you're watching a different game for me. I got a lot of that on the performance of Maeda. What did you make of Maeda's uh, performance at the weekend, Jerry? Well, I thought it was great and I've got a, I've got a totally different spin on, a lot of people said about, <laughs> I'm got, I know I'm going to get pelters for this one, but I'm going to stand what, by it. What did, what did I, I call by it? Way, Sorry. What no, did I, I call it? Mate, you called it a roll on a sausage, and I was I was trying to filter that, and wasn't listening to you for the next thirty seconds. Going, a roll on sausage? No, I think you said a sausage on a roll. You called it, and I'm going, is that a, is that an East Coast thing? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it can be a sausage roll because that's a completely different delicacy in Fife, isn't Aye. it? So, what did I call it? Did I call it a sausage on a roll? 
a sausage on a roll. He says sometimes they're going to get a sausage on a roll. And I thought, oh, but a roll, a roll on sausage isn't right. It can't, it can't surely it can't be a roll no, on a roll sausage. In sausage. A roll, it's an N, not an IN, so a roll on sausage. Or a rolling slice, like, or a rolling square. That's oh, didn't bring slice? Didn't bring slice into it? <laughs> oh man, Maida, right? For me, what he gives us in that squad is unreal, right? He's been my favourite player during pre-season and for the first couple of games. I am not buying into. <laughs> Laura's going to give me pelts for this. I am not buying into the fact that that was all his fault when he was clear on goal. Look to his left, right? It was one of those. It's like. Was it Yang that was on his left looking for that pass? And I think Liang was getting closer and closer by Midas trying to... I think Maida starts off knowing what he's going to do, but then sees Yang and he's like, right. And if you watch, there's almost a kind of coming together of them. And I think Yang kind of puts them off a wee bit. So I'm not going to be as harsh, although Kyogo wouldn't have done that. But I'm, I'm not going to be as harsh. I think Maida gives us something different. And I don't think many teams have got a Maida-type player. I think he's... It's just his batteries, his energy, his composure at times, yes. But look, he's got a hat-trick pre-season in the first half, right? Um, I wouldn't be too tough on him. He's one of my favourite players in the squad and I would be devastated if we lost him. Devastated. Right. I, 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 I'll tell you what, I've vowed before never to speak about sausages and rolls and uh, the influx is unbelievable. Sorry for offending any of the aficionados out there. Listen though, I've got something that, and I've not thought about this right, so Maeda, for me, is looking more of a, a winger than someone who constantly backtracks now, right? Although his defensive qualities are always going to be there. Is there now an onus on the wingers to be more wingers than wingers come defenders is that affecting Taylor because you know how much defensive work Maeda did under Ange Postacoglu his defensive ability was unbelievable you would see him at the corner flag you know defending our area getting in behind Taylor who might have been in the centre circle Jerry is that maybe affecting Taylor a wee bit that's actually a great point mate and I'd never even thought of that I hadn't even picked up on that I think that's that's a good good shout he hasn't got the support that he had with Maida under the Ange team because Maida was he was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Oh, I'm I'm going to watch the highlights of that again. Actually, I'm going to watch me. that with. I am going to watch that with interest. I'm up. I'm away to get a, a roll and sausage after this, by the way, because. Does anyone even listen to what I was saying about Maida? Was everyone just posting about rolls? That and brilliant point that you were making, and everybody's uh, salivating over rolls and sausage. And we're getting blamed for going off on tangents. Come on. Let's light these comments up with some game stuff, right? Exactly. Captain Cal got the right idea, no social media footprint. Yeah. Listen, I totally understand that, John. Um, and I think that it's, it's a difficult one. It's a part, it's a very nuanced kind of subject when it comes to Celtic, but we are discussing it. And we have discussed the game, the pros and the cons. For more of the same, uh, join us tonight at six o'clock for a Wonder Round Paradise. It's a beautiful morning uh, this morning, Jerry. So, of course, I turned up in a big duffel coat because that's what happens. I, I, I dress in Fife, I wake up, and, I, and then, you know, I'm looking outside and it's raining, it's not looking great. I get to Glasgow, sun is shining. Uh, but once the jacket's on, it stays on. And I did my wee wonder to build up a wee bit of a sweat, uh, 10, 15 minutes exercise on a Monday morning. Join us at six o'clock. That'll be on the channel where we talk again about the game, the aftermath of the game. James McKenzie's writing uh, various blogs as well on, on the different aspects of the match as well get over to axhome.net if you like to read the blogging side of things as well uh, 1200 live on a Monday afternoon is just sensational Jenny uh, absolutely yep. brilliant 
I'm really enjoying it. I'm enjoying the chat with Jerry um, on a Monday, and I'm enjoying the fact that people are getting behind our initiative to sell the jerseys. You know, listen, I know that jerseys become very expensive. They become retro, hard to get, iconic. And the fact that you are willing to give us the jerseys so that we can raise some cash for a good cause is uh, humbling. Uh, that's the, the best word for it, Jerry. So thank you all for getting involved. And thank you to Jerry Taylor. We're away for a rolling sausage. Network.